Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. All right, John, we'll, we start off a great week here after a great Super Bowl, right? It was a great game. I mean, it I don't know who amazing. you're pulling for. We talked a little bit about it last week, but uh, what a comeback. I mean, three straight scores to end the game. My goodness, it's all impressive. in the fourth quarter. Um, I thought the Chiefs were down for the count. You know, it was it was over for those guys, and to make that recovery was was simply amazing. What a great game! Yeah, yeah it was. And um, I had the commercials. I, there was a couple of them that stood out to me. Yeah, I think it was TurboTax was was pretty funny. They were dancing around so and so forth. There yeah. are some other good ones on there. Some not so good ones, but uh, always entertaining. So an entertaining week. And speaking of entertaining, we got some entertaining topics for you here. Well, maybe not so entertaining, but they're important <laughs> nonetheless. They're entertaining to us. More important than the Super Bowl, <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, you know, we have the five reasons to claim Social Security benefits early, mm-hmm. John, not late. Um, you know, most people hear about all the reasons to claim it late. And, um, you know, there certainly are some good reasons to claim Social Security late. But, you know, it's usually overlooked the reasons why you might want to claim it early. So we got we got some great things here you want to listen to. Yeah, and then we're going to follow that up with a, a discussion of um, uh, money mistakes that wealthy people generally don't make. And um, some of these you've heard before, and, uh, you know, it'll be uh, kind of old hat, but there's some new ones on here. Not new ones, but just different ways of looking at it. And uh, we certainly see these with folks uh, that have saved well uh, over time. There's some secrets here, and uh, you know if you're listening to this um, and the markets scare you a little bit, just just uh, take heed to some of these steps that wealthy people do, and and it, historically it's worked well. Exactly, time tested strategies here, so you want to pay attention to that. Um, by the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 25 years experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 27 years. We're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcast up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a link to the podcast. You can listen to it directly from the computer. You can download it to your iPod or iPad and listen to it uh, in the future. Uh, we also have a lot of calculators and tools on the website, so go check that out. And we'd love to hear from you. Um, you know, Send us your, your questions, emails. You can link to us right off our website, moneymd.net. Or just give us a call. But um, we're going to start off here, John, with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this comes from the Department of Labor. And, gosh, you know, looking at this stat, it's amazing how time flies. So uh, looking back 25 years, um, it's only 1995, right? That's right. (laughs) Seems like yesterday. It is truly amazing. But, uh, you know, when you look at the inflation, uh, you know, over the last 25 years, it's been pretty tame compared to history. It's averaged about 2.2%. Annually, and here's the issue, yep. and this is a silent killer of retirements. If you have had no cost of living increases, which you know the the like the Savannah River site pension plan has, has no cost of living adjustments, right? Over that 25 years, the purchasing power would only be 58 percent of what it was 25 years earlier. So it's really eroded what you can spend and buy with that money coming in. Yeah, that's right. And that's only at 2.2% annual inflation. So we've had really tame inflation over the last 25 years. It, you know, as we know from the 80s and, you know, 70s, heaven forbid, I mean, it can be a lot higher. So you really have to take that into account. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I believe, you know, with your with your retirement investments, you have to try to make up for that inflation 
that you don't get in your pension. You know, you don't get an adjustment in most pensions nowadays, and, and you certainly can't count on it much in the future as pensions get to be squeezed. Um, and that's why I think, you know, picking an annuity or something for your 401k is probably not a good strategy. You know, you need yeah. something that's going to grow and, and grow over time to to really combat inflation. It's a big deal. You know, it makes a big deal in retirement projections. Yeah. When you do your retirement planning, building in that inflation factor of a couple percent is important. It's amazing. You know, I looked at a retirement plan the other day and the couple was starting out with 100000 and you look, you know, a couple of decades later and it's like 250000 And that's how much, di- you know, difference the inflation makes over a long period of time. So you got to got to plan for that. That's a big deal. Absolutely. So great fact of the week. All right. And that leads up here to our first topic. And John, these are the five reasons to claim Social Security benefits early rather than later. And this is um recent article out of Kiplinger's uh, Jason Lambert. Um, it's based on that article anyway. Um, but, you know, we hear we talk about Social Security a lot on our show here for good reason, John. I mean, because it makes up about 50 percent of the income for half of all retirees. Mm-hmm. So it is a huge portion of people's retirement income. And it provides 90 percent of the income for about a fourth of retirees. So it is vitally important to most retirees. And when financial professionals talk about maximizing Social Security income, Generally, what they're advising is that you wait as long as possible before you claim the benefits because it does go up substantially for every year you delay benefits. Um, So often that makes perfect sense. I mean, after all, if you start your retirement benefits at 62, which is the earliest age you can file, your monthly benefits going to be about 30 percent less than it would be if you waited until your full retirement age. And that reduction is permanent. And on the flip side, for every year that you wait to file after full retirement age um, until you reach age 70, you get an extra around 8% per year in increased benefit for delaying. Um, so waiting certainly can uh, make a substantial difference in your check that you receive every month, but it doesn't make sense for the, and it's not the perfect strategy for everyone. Um, you know, we read a few articles, we read very few articles, in fact, we see very few articles. Um, about why you would draw benefits early. So, But for many retirees, there are good reasons to claim those benefits as early as possible. So we're going to discuss five of those here um, right now. So here are five examples of when claiming Social Security benefits early rather than later might be the right choice for you. Right, right. And the uh, the number one reason, Steve, that we see is that uh, one of the two, um, uh, you know, couple um, has a much higher benefit. So uh, the uh, survivor rules with Social Security say that essentially the surviving spouse gets a higher benefit of the two when one spouse passes away. And so that means that the higher benefit will go on for two life expectancies, and the smaller benefit is only paid out for that one life expectancy. And sure, you can both live to age 90, and you know then you would you know have gotten more if you would have delayed the benefit, but um, that's not usually the case. So if you have one person, and we see that a lot, and one person's work maybe has worked or maybe has a right. higher income, and the other person may have stayed at home or just doesn't have as big of an income. So it does make sense in that case to uh, to go ahead and start drawing early for the survivor. Yeah, that's right. What we often see is, you know, maybe one spouse is a few years older than the other one also happens to have a higher benefit. You know, if that's the husband, then statistically he has a lower life expectancy than the wife anyway. Um, so if this is your situation, then the husband's, you know, survivor benefit has a chance of, of uh, replacing the wife's lower benefit 
while she's maybe in her mid-70s, you know, or even early 70s. In that case, it makes perfect sense for the younger spouse to draw her benefit early and the older spouse to delay until full retirement age or even even out to age 70. Um, and that's, the like you said, the primary reason that we see people draw early is in that situation. Um, but you also um, you might want to draw early if you suspect that you have a shortened life expectancy. I mean, if you file at 62, sure, your checks will be smaller, but you're going to get a lot more of them, right? And that could be a better deal for some retirees, especially if you don't expect to live to your you know, into your late 80s or 90s. Um, so if you have some serious health issues or family issue, history of health problems, claiming early benefits, you know, may give you a more satisfying option than waiting for the bigger payday down the road. And if also, <clears throat> I mean, if you, even if you don't need that extra income, you don't have to spend it. I mean, for example, you could put it into a savings or investment account, um, leave a legacy for your heirs or for your favorite charity. You could use it to pay bills related to your, your care. You could, um, you could of course use it and enjoy, you know, your retirement as long as it lasts. Um, but you know, keep in mind though, I mean, the effect of the decision to claim early could have a, a, you know, effect on your spouse or your children who qualify for survivor benefits if you predecease them. So, you want to consider all those factors before you make that decision. Yeah, the third reason here is uh, uh, to claim it early is if the spousal benefits are in your favor. And, you know, there was some new legislation back in 2015 that uh, got rid of a couple of the go-to claiming options that really incentivized married couples to wait until full retirement age. And it was the old file and suspend and restricted applications uh, that have really been declared dead. They're not you know available anymore, but there's still a restricted application that's available for those born between before January the 2nd, 1954. And one factor to keep in mind is that it never pays to wait past your full retirement age to start taking the spousal benefit. And that's because, you know, the spousal benefits don't get the same increase from your full retirement um, age to age 70 as a primary benefit does. So when you add this factor together with the survivor benefit rules, and it makes it makes it more compelling to draw the spousal benefit as early as 62. So if the spousal benefits are in your favor, you know, based on your situation, then, you know, taking it early may make sense. Yeah, that's right. And these days, I mean, married couples really need to run some numbers before they make that decision about when to claim their Social Security benefits. I mean, your ages, your wages over the course of your career could be part of that equation, you know, especially if one spouse left the workforce for years to raise kids and would only get, you know, uh, reduced benefits as a result or would get a larger benefit, um, you know, based on the other person's work record. Um, So try looking in a couple different ways, you know, weigh what you would get now against what you would both get if you waited um, but also consider, you know, what you want to do with the money and, and when you want to to do that, um, because, you know, time does matter. So um, that's a good point. So the next one here, though, is if you think your lifestyle would improve, then you might want to draw early. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, retirees tend to follow a certain pattern. You know, there's the go-go phase of retirement, sort of in the first 10 years of retirement we see when people you know, first stop working, they want to, you know, travel, they might want to visit the grandkids, play golf, tennis, knock out their bucket list. Um, but then there's kind of the slow go phase where people get that out of their system, you know, and they're still fairly active, but they tend to transition to a more moderate pace. And then finally, there's kind of the no go phase where um, the trips seem like a lot of work, the grandkids are grown, maybe 
many of retirees would rather, you know, watch golf and tennis on TV. Yeah, <laughs> right. than, Change the channel. Right. And maybe tend to some <clears throat> health issues. So, um, so claiming your Social Security benefits early may be the right choice. If you want to retire at 62, get the most out of that go-go phase of retirement, those first 10 years, and you need that Social Security income to make retirement work really well. Um, so this is especially true if you're thinking of, you know, your spending will go down as you age. Yeah. And the last one here, uh, you know, good reason to, to take Social Security early is if the uh, benefits, because generally um, benefits will be taxed lower um, than later in retirement. So, you know, the benefits provided by Social Security, they used to be tax free um, many years ago, but the government made changes over the years to avoid a shortfall in the trust fund. And now a portion of your benefits are, are usually taxed. Um, once your income including Social Security, uh, exceeds 44000 for a married couple, then about 85% of your benefits are taxed at the ordinary income rate. So, you know, um, it's it's not a, it's not free. No, it's not. But, I mean, taxes are a consideration, and they're a valid reason for drawing it early if you see yourself in a lot higher bracket down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for a married couple today, all income uh, below around 105000 adjusted gross income is typically taxed at an attractive 12% rate. Um, income above this level is taxed at 22% or higher. So if you plan to delay drawing from your 401k plan and you can draw your Social Security income early and remain in that 12% bracket or less, um, then this might be an opportunity to pay less on your Social Security benefits. You know, many retirees who did a great job funding their 401k plan eventually might find themselves in a 22% bracket or higher later in retirement once their the required minimum distributions kick in. So, you know, if this is going to be your situation, you might take the opportunity to draw Social Security early um, in the lower 12% tax bracket and, you know, helping to limit the amount of income that's taxed in a 22% bracket later in retirement. So that's another good consideration when uh, choosing when to file your Social Security benefits. So, you know, the bottom line on this, though, is, um, you know, conventional wisdom to wait as long as possible to file Social Security, especially if you don't need the money early, um, you know, makes some sense. Um, However, this is a choice that should be carefully thought out, you know, and each individual and couples based on their situation and not something that's decided by some broad rule of thumb of the media. So, you know, when you go over the pros and cons um, over when to file Social Security, uh, you know, some people are often surprised and delighted to know that, you know, filing early is a very viable option. So you need to consider all these things. Um, you know, if you need help making those decisions, of course, um, you know, talk to an advisor, um, somebody like ourselves, get some, get some advice, run some numbers, just make sure you, you look at all the options, you know, with your eyes open when you make that decision. Okay, well, that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, we deal with um, a, lot of, a lot of small business owners in the area <clears throat> and, uh, you know, around the, uh, uh, the the country in some cases. And um, so this this question is a small business owner question. And uh, the question is, is, you know, I'd like to retire in about five years. Um, and, and in this case, uh, the business owner is a, kind of a sole uh, owner of the business is like any suggestions on what what I should do with my business and the question is really how do I monetize what I've built over the years and turn it into income and retirement and that's not an easy answer it takes time um, some people will find someone to come in the business to to take over it and run it um, some people will outright sell it 
Um, but you got to start thinking about that talk. Uh, you know, I usually will engage a lawyer and sit down and talk about buyout strategies and so forth. But um, you, you need about five years to plan that. And um, it, it's a very important, you know, we do see right. some businesses that just fold and everything they've worked yep. for for 30 or 40 years is, is, is gone. I mean, and there's nothing. Yeah. So if yeah. you can monetize yeah. it, then that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, health <laughs> issues can arise. There's all kinds of things that can happen. You know, there can be family situation that changes um, rapidly and, you know, you may not have time to make these plans and it does take a while, as you mentioned. Um, so you certainly want to have a succession plan in place, a strategy, and uh, you want to put some thought in that to, to get the most out of your business that you've spent your career developing. So if you're in that situation, you know, for for heaven's sake, you know, yes, do some uh, some succession planning and have a plan in place for, you know, the day that you can't can't come in and, um, you know, run your business. Mm-hmm. So yep. great question of the week. All right. And that leads up here to our next topic, and that is money mistakes wealthy people don't make. Yeah, I like this. I mean, these are these yeah. are really really important. <clears throat> yeah, this is uh, Nancy Jackson uh, had, has written this, um, and uh, you know the the Warren Buffetts, the Mark Cubans of the world, they um, they obviously have more money. They can make a lot of mistakes and still be ultra still be in great shape, ultra wealthy. Exactly. Um, but you know they have some some uh, good habits, and I'm sure they follow a lot of these that are on the list. And you know it's 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 highly unlikely it's highly likely that they. Um, you know, have have done some of these to actually increase and protect their wealth. And even if you haven't amassed a fortune of your own, you can benefit from doing some of these items on the list. So we'll just dive right into it. Um, there are five items here. And the first one is very simple. They don't, you know, they don't spend everything that they earn. And I'm not talking about Buffett yep. and Cuban. I'm just talking about people in general. You know, if you're, if you can save, you know, some aside and and pay yourself, then um, you can build wealth. And unfortunately, that's sometimes not much, but you have to start somewhere. So successful people, um, you know, making a living, they set aside uh, the amounts they need to reach their goals. So part of that's really built into the budget, right? Yeah, that's right. You know, I mean, they follow a principle that is well known, you know, in 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 the budgeting world, and that is paying yourself first, right? Um, which means that what you're doing is you're you're diverting a portion of your paycheck into a savings account or, you know, scheduling auto transfers from your checking to savings or your investment accounts. And wealthy people reliably do that, you know, consistently. They hit their targets. They plan for how much they're going to put away monthly. And, um, you know, they routinely move money, you know, to their investment or their savings accounts. And then they leave it alone. Um, so, you know, while also just learning to delay gratification and avoiding the, the wealth busters like the credit cards. So that's a big deal. Just paying yourself first, yeah. getting in a consistent pattern of spending less than you earn. Yeah, and car payments, you think about buying a brand new car, <clears throat> you buy something for 40000 it's going to be worth 20000 five exactly. years later. That's a wealth destruction. Yeah, you have to have a car fund. You yes. got to put money away every month so that you can pay cash for the next one. So you're not going to debt. You're not taking out loans every time you need a new car. So yet it's consistent, and that's what wealthy people do. Yeah, and another mm-hmm. one that uh, is, that wealthy people um, you know do is they they don't miss opportunities to grow their wealth, and you know they don't stop after securing a well paying job. They're looking for ways to improve themselves, their financial picture. Uh, maybe it's raises they're they're looking at or promotions. They're looking at extending their career, maybe with new skills. 
uh, maybe starting a business, um, you know, and as they increase their income, they're making sure they don't increase their lifestyle expenses at the same rate. And that's a big one, right? I mean, we exactly. see a lot of people that will get nice raises, nice bumps, different careers, and they just, they're spending it on stuff that's going down in value. You know, it's okay to spend some, but you also want to, you know, like you said, initially pay yourself first and hit those goals that you have. And the same types of people who push for, for more than the status quo are also likely um, to, to be invested in the financial markets. And they understand, you know, the markets uh, are volatile and there's a chance for loss in there. Um, but investing regularly over time historically has been a great opportunity for, for wealth building and uh, long-term growth. Yeah, and that's, that's a good one. And that's certainly right. Yeah, and you know, another thing they do, John, though, is they don't make emotional financial decisions. Um, they they tend to be a lot more thoughtful about their decisions, and they they do it with uh, with you know a lot of planning in place. So rather than buying and selling investments out of their kind of their feelings and their emotions, um, financially successful people they make deliberate decisions about their long term goals and their strategies. You know, with a long term plan in place. Yeah, and a lot of times, I mean, I'm sure you're the same way. You can look at a 401k balance and tell if someone has tried to time the market. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Generally. Yep. Yep. I mean, some By people, what they own. Some people come in here with million and a half, two million dollar IRAs, and some folks 400,000 because of the, some of it could be income, but also I can tell when people have timed the market. Yeah, um, when they own a few individual stocks or they're all loaded up into some healthcare, you know, stock or fund. You know, there's market timing going on there, and, um, you know, they don't come in with a diversified, you know, holding of, you know, a target date fund or, you know, 10 or 12 different funds in different different markets or asset classes. Those are folks that are typically trying to do some kind of timing, and it can cost them, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, wealthy people, they, they make uh, comprehensive plans. They follow a plan. Um, you know, they don't invest in the latest fad or hot tip, which, uh, you know, we've seen a few of those in the past couple of weeks. Yes, we have. Yes, we have. And um, <clears throat> understandably, it's it's not easy to put your emotions aside when it comes to money, uh, which is why it's important to create systems and plans to prevent these irrational decisions. And, uh, you know, maybe in, in, adhering to a 24-hour cooling off period before you make any big money moves. So um, establish a set of rules for when it's safe to purchase a new investment, um, such as, you know, maybe it's a stock price or maybe you've hit a certain goal, like you've had your emergency fund up to where it is. But, you know, it's these things are thought out. It just doesn't happen um, by chance. There's a plan. There's been some, you know, decision making going on in this process. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. You know, another thing they do, John, is they don't put all their eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. They diversify. You know, they follow the Ecclesiastes 11 approach, you know, is the way I like to think of it. You know, I mean, high net worth clients, they understand the need to diversify and, you know, how to diversify even their income sources down the road for retirement. Um, you know, that's that, those are all very important factors. Yeah, and we, and we see that. I mean, they don't um, typically own the employer's stock in large amounts. Um, they also make sure that they're diversified uh, and they look kind of holistically at, at their portfolio. And we saw this back in the late 90s, five years in a row, S&P 500 made about 25% a year. Right. People piled into that in technology and then it went for 10 years and made zero. Yep. Those kind of things crash retirements. They do. You know, they do. And, and it's yeah. hard to be diversified. Now it's hard to be diversified. You have technology doing so well, but uh, you know, we see, you know, folks that that are diversified and they're wealthy and it's because they've had that strategy over time and 
again, past performance doesn't guarantee future results, but yeah. diversification works. It really does. I mean, we've seen a couple of stocks just go crazy in the past couple of weeks here, and you know, you can't chase those. I mean, yeah. successful people don't chase those because that would be insane, you know, with your retirement funds, with any significant amount of money. You know, you got to be careful there. Um, they also don't go it alone, John. I mean, financially successful people, they usually, you know, don't gamble with their livelihood on the line. In other words, you know, um, you know, if they're not sure how to approach a big money decision, they get some help. You know, they get some different opinions. They consult some some experts or get some trusted advice. Um, you know, and in some cases, you know, they, they, um, that assistance should come with, from an advisor, you know, or somebody that they're close to, they trust, that's competent, um, whose job is to create financial plans and, you know, address complicated issues like taxes, estate planning and income, you know, distributions and retirement. So yeah, you need to, you need to seek some help. That's what most, you know, really successful people do. Well, I mean, the, the more money you have, the more complex it is, right? You have more choices, you have taxes, you have, you know, who's going to inherit it, things like that. And, you know, there's different ways to do this. Not everybody has to go to a financial advisor or a tax person. You can certainly do research online. You know, Dave Ramsey has a lot of good information out there. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's, there's platforms out there, Mint, and you need a budget type tools. So a lot of different ways to do this. Um, we do see a lot of wealthy people because it does create complexities, working with different um, professionals, taxes, CPAs, you know, state attorneys and so forth to help them figure out how to maneuver the current laws and then also do some projections into the future. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I think the tax rates are going to go up. So what should you be doing today to try to mitigate some of that? There are some strategies out there. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I think for particularly for, for wealthy people, for higher income people or people that have planned well, uh, that's going to happen. That's very, very important, no doubt. All right, well, that leads us up here to our final thing, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, the prescription. I don't know if you got the memo, Steve, but we changed it on you. <clears throat> no, I didn't get the memo. Yeah, it's a little different. So uh, hang right, tight. You'll, you'll like this. You'll like this. So cooking at home is three times uh, – excuse me, let me, let, me, let me go at it this way. Buying a meal kit. I don't know if y'all do that or not, but buying a meal. These meal kits are really popular. Hello Fresh right, and all that. Right. No, we don't do that. Okay. But I've heard. I've heard about them, it's, and they, they sound pretty it's cool. It's three times more expensive than if you cooked it at home. Oh yeah, don't doubt that. Yeah, and if you go to a restaurant and do the same meal, it's five times more, more expensive. expensive. Yeah. So you know these these meal kits. I'll and I'll I'll confess we we have done that. Um, okay. It is it is easy. Uh, they give you all the ingredients. They give you instructions, but. What we've done is, and it, some of the the uh, combinations of things are very unique. Okay, something we've never done before. So we've done those a couple times, but they give you a little recipe card, and then you can go out and buy the stuff on your own. Yeah, so right. It just added kind of adds. Well, they you put know, it all together for you, so it's already there. It's it e- is easier. You don't it's have to read easy. a recipe. You don't have to think about it. It's very very easy, but it's three times more expensive than obviously going to a restaurant. You know, you're going to pay five times as much. So, and we see that with budgets, you got to be really careful eating out. I mean, some people eat their retirements. They're eating out so much. So what's the prescription of the week out of this? Yeah, don't um, cook at home. Cook at home. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, I, you got to give them a specific prescription here. I would yeah. I would say specifically, you know, when you do your budget, um, it's okay if you want to do some of this. I right. mean, sometimes it's easier going so it's out. It's fun sometimes. Set a number sometimes it's and, fun, but... and figure out, you know, what fits in there. I mean, right. you know, if you have some other goals of paying off debt and emergency funds, then you probably ought to be cooking at home. Yeah, right? I mean, count the cost. You know, when you're going out to eat, um, don't just do that haphazardly. Look at your food budget. Have a plan. You know, it's okay if you do this a couple times a, a month maybe, right? But but have a plan. Know how much you're spending for the vast majority of your meals. 
if you want to save money, you need to be cooking at home, right? Yeah, absolutely. And shopping at Aldi's. Big pot of chili. There you go, man. Put some onions oh, and cheese chili. and jalapenos. Now you're talking, man. I, I love chili. <laughs> it goes a long way, too, I tell you. All right, there you go. Good prescription of the week. Um, this leads us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week for more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions or give us a call. You can link to us right off the website. You can call us at Richard Young Associates at 706 739 Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. 